welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm a Smoke Master General, Mr. Trey Debbin. I'm joined as I am every week by Shane Reeves. You know, there's times I would like to have a pygmy with a curari dart following me around. So that just I could, so that not, I could just, a, not all the time, just no, certain all the time. times, all the time. Oh, okay, but just so I could point at somebody and he could tag them with a slow just go, dose. Yeah, just just slow them down a little, calm them down, maybe a little. You know, just a slow dose, Kirari. We don't need a big dose. Gotcha. You don't want to knock them out. You just want to put them in that slow mo replay mode. Yeah, you kind of came in here, a house of fire, bouncing off the walls, and I got a call happening at this time. And we got to get this going. And we got to get this. Done. And then I'm explaining the articles. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's times that I think I'd like to just kind of anesthetize you just a touch. <laughs> well, it, it's funny. I didn't expect to be the one who met the who met the receiving end of that particular scenario. <laughs> Looking at all of the people who were here on a Wednesday night who aren't normally here. Sure. Because I can see three people sitting at that bar over there who normally deserve a cure or a dart. <laughs> Sure. Treatment as well. So, well, but yeah. you you wouldn't want to use it for daily use. You would you'd want to use it for special occasions. Less. No, but I assumed it would have been any one of them who brought you to that attention <laughs> at this point. Because yeah, no, and I'll fully admit it. I'm I'm not fired up tonight. I wouldn't go so far as say I'm fired up. I've got this really weird energy about me though, and I recognize that. I did. I came in here hot. We've got to basically what we call run and gun. Yeah. We have to get in here. We have to knock the show out because I've got, I'm still on the clock. Yeah. I've still got work to do tonight and it's been a busy day and, and all. So yeah, I recognize that my energy level is in a weird spot. And uh, so it could be an interesting show. That's okay. But once you light your cigar, it's the magic of the cigar. Once you light I'm your cigar, so. take a few puffs and kind of let the day's troubles breeze away and the. With, it, with any luck, that's what I'm counting on. So, and it's and it's funny because I actually, as long as we're talking about that, so I actually brought a really impressive cigar that I was intending to smoke on the show. Uh, those who listened to the show a couple of months ago when I rated the uh, Placencia Almafuerte Salomon, I gave it a seven and a half. This is a cigar that I would rather smoke over a Padron Twenty Six Number One. This is, in my opinion, a perfect cigar. And I've been, I, I still have a few in the box at the house, but I've been saving this for the day we closed on our house because that has, that has, we've been delayed two months at this point. Right. We finally closed today. And I don't know if it's this way, I know this is something that you won't, um, have any experience with. Like you won't relate to this at all. But there's a certain amount of, like, there's been so much stress and so much babysitting and so much stuff going on with this for the last, since July, that I, it, it hasn't all washed away yet. Right. I'm still not, it doesn't feel real. I don't feel at peace about it. I still, my, my, I, I've still got this weird stress level that, is obviously not due to the house because it's ours now, but it's just I haven't I haven't been able to get to the point where I'm relaxed, I'm at peace, I'm calm, and I'm ready to celebrate. It doesn't feel like a celebration yet, so I've decided not to smoke that cigar. Um, instead, I'm smoking an AJ New World, 
man, this is just a good standby cigar. It's, it's a good workhorse. It's a good cigar that you know it's going to be good every time. The mood, whatever it is, it will enhance it. Especially because, like, so I've also not had a cigar at all today. And that usually makes for a really weird podcast. And so this is one of those where I know that it's going to kick me in the teeth right to start. And it's going to force me to go, hang on, you're on cigar time now. Well, generally, if I haven't had a cigar all day, I want something light. I wouldn't smoke a New World as a first cigar of the day, especially if I'd had a real busy day. And I'll just because the the strength, I, I would I would come in a little softer. You have a really good ability. You don't you don't really get stressed out. No. Nah. And whereas you can say, okay, it's been a busy day, but now I'm on cigar time. You know, I'm on whatever time. I instantly go into vacation mode, whatever. I. I can't turn the switch off as evidenced by sort of where I'm at tonight. And well, so for me, in especially on days like this where my stress level and my emotions and things like that are really in charge right now, I need something to say, uh-uh, grab me, you know, grab me by the ear. Right, and, something and, to get your attention. And get my attention and say, uh-uh, we're doing this now. Right. I can I can understand that I can intellectualize that, but yeah, I have never been a per. But I'm not an emotional person. That's just not the way I'm wired. I'm not wired for emotion. My my only my standard emotion is anger. When it comes when people start trying to inflict stress, it's like why is this person making this so much harder than it has to be? And I'll and that's that's kind of my go to when stress happens. And also, yeah, I understand the difference in kind of what you're talking about. So I'm smoking a La Flor Dominica Chapter 1. I had a Chapter 2 the other day, and it was just wonderful. Yeah, I and remember I, the Chapter 2 not being nearly as good as the 1. Yeah, it was, it was good. I couldn't remember which one of them I liked better. So I had a Chapter 2 the uh, last Friday I was here smoking with some friends, and I, I had a Chapter 2, and I was like, this is really good, but I, I, I want to remember if the Chapter 1... So the chapter one Brazilian wrapper, Connecticut binder, and then um, filler from Dominican Republic from the La Florida Dominicana factory, and hey, blended by Lido Gomez. And also finally found a website that tells me who blended the stinking cigar, so that I could well, enjoy it, it. It being an LFD, that makes a very short list. I think Lido is kind of like the uh, Willie Herrera of LFD. Yeah, he probably does most of that and all. But I, I really wanted the Chapter 1 tonight to just kind of relax and enjoy. Because I've, I've been busy, but I've not been stressed. And also, speaking of just enjoying a cigar, from Spectrum Bay News, Tampa's news, news channel, Tampa Cigar Festival named largest in the world. So this happened this weekend, the Cigar and Heritage Festival in Tampa. I had thought about going to it because I went to the Cigar Bash in Tampa, and it was a blast. Right. I thought about going to this, and I thought, oh, all this COVID stuff still flying around. Eventually, I'm going to have to stop not doing stuff because of the COVID thing. Eventually, I'm just going to have to say, okay, I'm going to go do what I'm going to go do, and people that don't like it can kiss my foot. Yeah. And move on. and all. But I, I purposely try to avoid situations 
where somebody's going to try to come up and talk down to me about how I should be wearing a mask or I should be doing this or. Although I feel like a cigar event is is pretty is pretty pretty likely that you're not going to run into a whole lot of that. One would hope. One would hope that this industry would be a little insulated from well, that sort of Especially when you consider how foolish Florida has been just kind of in general around the whole thing. And it's... Uh, I don't think they've been foolish. I think they have. I think they valued their freedom and they've stood for it. No one at any t- time has ever had their freedoms violated through this COVID thing. My left foot. <laughs> and all that. Anyway... This is a long-standing argument. You're pro-COVID. I'm anti-COVID. It's it's the way it works, for some strange reason. And it's just there. I I think Florida and Texas did a great job, and I think the death rates, seeing as California has the virtually the same death rate as those two places, and they locked everything down and you know locked people into their houses and everything else. I think the history will stand out that the that the approaches were fine. But the Tampa Cigar Festival was this weekend. I'm sorry, I'll give you a chance to rebut. Can I finish lighting my cigar talk? Well, I was... uh, So it's billed as the world's largest cigar festival. And it takes place in Centennial Park, right in the heart of Ybor City. So it's, it's a whole bunch of the local shops that kind of come together and create this festival. I've been to this park. Um, I've been there. I just, I don't know why Tampa has a district like Cigar City and can't get a handle on their homelessness. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they have, you know, that would be my big concern with going to this festival is, okay, do they at least run the homeless off for a couple of days? How, do, how does that work? Because that's my biggest problem with going to Ybor City is you got to deal with just, uh, there's a lot of homeless there and it's just a terrible thing. To, and I don't understand why they let them just languish on the streets there. I don't understand why it goes that way. Why? This is another thing that you and I just disagree on, because you believe that the that the solution is to criminalize it, right? Absolutely. Well, you've got to do something to get them off the streets. Everything that the liberals have tried has not worked. So you've got to try something new to perhaps get them off the street. Yeah, but no one has really tried anything that's the thing that most of what has happened at least in this country has just been to ignore the problem and hope it goes away now it's talked about all the time and every time a solution is talk put is forth, not action but every time a solution is put forth somebody somebody blocks it you know every time you know there's a park here in nashville i was watching the news this week which yeah. i should know better park here in nashville overrun of homeless people and they're like oh well, we can't do anything throw them out till we have bets for them no you can't and all, you can have a bed in the jail for them if you need to. Whatever you need to do to clear the parks out, because me as a taxpayer, not being able to use my parks by because of people who are drug addicts leads to a, a terrible arrangement. That's just not a good arrangement for life. And also, that was my, you know, those were my concerns. But I think next year I'm definitely going. I'm definitely going to Tampa and going to the Cigar Festival and going to just take my chances. Worst case scenario, I'll... I'll go to the zoo and go to Davidoff Geneva and enjoy myself anyway. Well, there you go. And I'll there's be, always something, at least. Yeah, there's always a way to do that. But let's talk about a new cigar. Black Label's Benediction returns as a Smoker's Abbey exclusive. So there's three Smoker's Abbeys now. There's one here. There's one here in Nashville. There's one in Memphis and one in Austin. And one in Gallatin. So it's 
There's one in Gallatin as well. And so only Smoker's Abbey in East Nashville and Gallatin are actually owned uh, by Josh and are technically the Smoker's Abbey. Smoker's Abbey, Memphis, and Austin are both franchises. So what's the advantage of them franchising that? I'm sure you've talked to them about this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of unique in this industry, and it's, it's something that a lot of times I don't think a lot of people would think about as an option. But essentially, what the guys at Smoker's Abbey did that really makes them stand out is they really figured out how to make social media work. And... For a lot of cigars, so you've got to think, it's one of the youngest um, proprietor and f- sort of staffs out there. I mean, we're sitting in a, a shop owned by a very young man by comparison to the rest of the industry also. But when, but even even up there, so they were able to get a handle on how they could leverage technology to get the word out. And they also have a very unique style. And I think a couple of people saw that aesthetic, wanted to recreate it without stealing it. And so, you know, people would always be able to tell if it weren't genuine, right? And so I think by, by franchising it, you bring in kind of the people who curated that aesthetic from the beginning have a little bit of a mentor relationship to kind of help you navigate starting a cigar shop from scratch. Um, I, I can see it being a win-win. I don't know. I've, if, if I was opening a cigar lounge, what would be the possible advantage of me, fran- of me buying a franchised lounge, of me becoming part of a Smoker's Abbey franchise? What could be the possible? And I'm, I'm not really talking about the emotional stuff because you're going to create the, the air in your cigar lounge you want. I'm just talking. Okay, do they get a volume discount? Does it help them? Does the fact no, that they're no, because they're not they're not selling or they're not buying under a single tobacco license and shipping see, it. I just I don't see the yeah, advantage. But that's because you think you're smarter than everybody else, and you Scoreboard. cannot and you cannot <laughs> fathom a scenario where you wouldn't automatically have the answers. There are people out there who don't have your confidence level, and for them to know that there is a system out there, they. They love cigars. They know cigars, but they don't necessarily know anything about running a business. So this becomes a way to have the expertise and to lean on the experience of somebody ahead of them to kind of help them navigate part of the unknown. That's, it's just, I mean, that, that's, that, that's what makes it appealing for a lot of people. Okay. It, well, I don't know. I would, for me, I would have to see some real fiscal benefits. Okay, we've got to deal with the furniture provider. We can get you the logo merchandise. We can get you easier to get accounts with cigar providers because of this. There there would have to be some, for me to look at actually purchasing a franchise, the there would benefit, have to be some major benefits that I've not found. The benefit is that you get a recognizable name That, that helps you build your following and you reduce the you reduce the the unknown the X factor of uh, I'm trying to think of how the best way to say it, it, it it's an intangible benefit 
Um, I wonder what the price tag on that intangible benefit is. Well, it's different to other people. For me, it wouldn't be worth it because I've worked in enough shops. I know what works. I know what doesn't. But I don't have this unconditional fear of failure due to inexperience. There are people that do. And that's the reason to be businessmen. No, I call BS on that. If they're they're too scared to take the risk, they don't need to be a businessman. No, they're not too scared to take the risk, but they are understanding of their own limitations, and so they seek out safety nets, and they're willing to pay for those safety nets, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, every Wendy's in America is a franchise. You tell me that everyone who owns a Wendy's doesn't deserve to be a business owner? No, I'm telling buying a Wendy's franchise and buying a Smoker's Abbey franchise are two different things totally. But it all comes from the same place. It's all based on franchising. Oh, no. Totally di- totally different ball game. A Wendy- Wendy's has... There, there's nobody in Austin, Texas that had ever heard of Smoker's Abbey. I disagree with that. And nobody driving through Austin, Texas were Smoker's... Because Smoker's Abbey is a local thing here. Yes, but that's why I say they were able to leverage social media, and they became, I mean, they were shipping to all, I don't know, all 50 states. I don't want to say anything that gets them in trouble, but they were doing a big a big online business, b- virtue of people finding them on, on in, uh, Instagram and other social media. So they were able to leverage that, and they actually had a following across the country. And someone had to be the first Wendy's franchise bes- before, you know, when Dan Thomas still owned the original, Right. You have to start somewhere. Just because it's fully recognizable now in all 50 states doesn't mean it always was. I, 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 think, I think it's funny to think that, that there could not be any benefit from partnering with somebody who's made a success in, a biz, in an industry and, and pay for that expertise to help you along the way. Well, that's probably the heart of it. I have no desire to have partners. I'm married. I got the only partner I ever want to have. You know, I've been offered the chance to buy into cigar lounges as a partner, and I, I'm not going to have partners. It, it, it goes, it goes back to what I said originally: is that you cannot fathom a scenario in which you don't have the all the answers you need, and that's fine. I'm not saying that as a, you know, as a as a dig, <laughs> but that's but that's what it comes down to. And I can understand why it doesn't make sense to you, but I, I can see why it would make sense to people. It wouldn't make, it, it's not how I would do it either. It, it takes all kinds. There's, a, there's absolutely, it takes all kinds. I'm just, I'm always curious about how people get to the point they're at in business. It's always interesting to see how people pull that through in their head. But this, I've never smoked a black label. Have you ever smoked a black label? I have, but it's been a while. Um, I'm I'm excited for this. I actually I was chatting with a guy earlier today, who has already had one of these. I have not had one yet. I I don't actually think they hit the I think they hit the shelves yesterday. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to to grabbing this though. Well, okay, this is weird Vitola choices. Two Vitolas, Robusto and Lonsdale. Okay, why would you make a cigar and not make it in a Toro? That just that blows my mind. I mean, they, and they may know something about it. It's a Nicaraguan puro that uses a Habano wrapper. Yeah, um, comes from Esteli. Yeah, and the price is good. I mean, ten dollars for the Robusto, eleven dollars for the Lonsdale, and on the. But um, I don't know. It just seemed to me if I was putting a cigar out, there's no way I wouldn't have a Toro in that size. That's that's part that blows my mind a little bit too. Yeah, I'm, but. 
Um, it, it could just be a fact, uh, you know, because I will say one of the things that is really cool about the Abbey, in addition to the fact that they have cigar lines that you can't get anywhere else in town, is the fact that they really do know their their clientele, and they have Vitolas that you don't get anywhere else in town as well. They're one of the only shops in town that carries the um, the Bellicoso in the Trucker Oak. Right. You know, so they've got, they do a lot of Lonsdale and uh, what's the other one that I hate that I can't think of right now? It's been a long day. Lancero? Lancero. Um, they do a lot of that type Lonsdale's of business. Lonsdale's just a fat Lancero. Right. Yeah. Lonsdale is like, okay, we want something between a Churchill and a Lancero. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm either going to have a Churchill or a Toro. I'm not a Lancero fan. I'm not either. Uh, I mean, I don't care how good the wrapper is. I do want some binder and filler and do want to enjoy a little binder and And filler. And I want to know my cigar is going to draw well. And it's just a complete and total crapshoot with a a Lancero. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So let's argue about something else real quick. All right, because we don't (laughs) agree on this either. No. I told you it was going to be a weird show. Strap in, (laughs) folks. Visol Products ships the Trident by Cassetti. So this is a straight cut, V cut, punch, all in one cutter. It takes a shape similar to the V cutter that we talked about on the show a couple of weeks ago from Vertigo. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the Calibri model. Yeah. Um, Except that instead of being a top spring model, it, it's kind of a side. It, it, it's it's reminiscent of the the Dupont or Prometheus cutters that open to the side. The V looks fairly deep. the The straight cut looks just like the same mechanics of the Calibri straight cut, right? Which I really need to get mine repaired. I love that cutter, and it's got a little punch at the top. I think this is great. If it's as well made as it should be. I would have to try one. I don't like the ideal. I know. I, I, I will reserve my judgment for trying one as well because I, I know exactly what you're thinking. And in general, I usually agree with that line of thought. Right. Generally, when multi-use devices, you lose a level of usefulness of each device. You know, I got a pair of wire pliers on my pocket knife. Right. They're not great wire pliers. They're not meant to be great wire pliers because they're on a pocket knife. I've got a pair of scissors on it. It's not a great pair of scissors because it's on a pocket knife. All the multi-tools lose a level of usefulness. So I'm not a big multi-tool person. Right. And it's interesting I because I just saw that this MSRP is at 110 So let's think about that for a second. Your average punch, because this, this is not anything unique. The punch is not particularly big. It's the same punch you get on the bottom of cheap lighters. Yeah. So let's not factor that into it. Yeah. The Calibri straight cut is a $39 lighter. The Calibri V cut is a $49 lighter. Mm -hmm. So we are at $80. I think I I can't do math tonight. $90. So this is 110. So are you telling me that that's $20 worth of punch? Or are you telling me that this is somehow that much better than the Calibri? Just as a, as a design point, 
the one thing they could have done that would have probably sold me on this a little easier is if you didn't operate the straight cut and the V-cut at the same time every time you use it. That would have been interesting. If you open the straight cut from one side and the V-cut from the other side, and you could kind of use it that way, probably be far more likely for me to, to be attracted to this, because I don't like the the blockiness of it. It makes me think that it's going to be hard to manipulate in your hand. See, I somewhat disagree with that, because it's about the size of all the lighters that we've talked about to this point. And I think you need that to be able to get a couple of fingers on it to get that stability that you would want. What I have an issue with, typically when you have combo cutters like this, they're stacked one on top of each other in the direction of travel of the blade. So you're coming through. Right. It's one blade moving. um, Perpendicular? uh, No, parallel Parallel. to to the direction of the force. And this is too, but instead, it's it's side by side. So if you've got the cutter, if you're using the straight cutter, for example, you're going to have greater pressure on that side than you are the V-cut side, which is empty. And it's going to be really hard to get that smoothness keeping a straight line. It's going to want to veer off. It's going to want to go crooked. Yeah, you're going to have a lot more wear Every time you use it, yeah, and all, I, th- I don't think I don't think history is going to be kind to this particular cutter, and all. It's not definitely not something on my Christmas list by any means, especially because of the price point. That's what holds this down. I think if it were in kind of the seventy to eighty dollar range, where you feel like you're getting a discount for a, you know a buy one get one fifty percent off kind of thing, I would feel a little bit better about this. The fact that this is more expensive than buying the individuals from Calibri or even Zycar for that matter. I have a hard time seeing how this is going to work. Well, also 110 is a terrible price for this product because it's more expensive than buying the individual components, but it's less expensive than buying a really nice high-end cutter. Right. If I, if I was led, you know, the um, company, the Red Hawk that we had, we talked to the guy after the show one Red night. Horse. Red Horse. Yeah. And he was talking about the magnetic couplings and the functioning of those. You know, they're 300 and something dollar cutters. But he described the mechanics of it to let me know, absolutely valid to charge that. Right, because it goes into engineering, R&D, and quality of craftsmanship. Yeah, so this is too expensive for one segment of the market and too cheap for the other segment of the market. It's kind of the worst of both worlds. Yeah. And all, but let's step away from a break. When we come back, I want to talk about flat flames. We've never talked about flat flame lighters before. Have we not? No, I don't right. think we've ever discussed them. So we're going to step away. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man that watched the Fly Fishing Championship. It was live stream, Mr. Trey Dedman. I like that. <laughs> I, Do you, have you ever gone call. down the fly fishing rabbit hole no. on YouTube? No. When I was learning how to fly fish, I spent a lot of time on YouTube because there, there's a there's a skill to it more so than than just regular rod and reel fishing. It requires a certain level of competence to even put the fly in the water. 
And, oh, my gosh, that's some boring stuff. As much as I love fishing, and I can even watch the fishing tournaments on TV to a certain extent. I don't really enjoy it, but I can because there's stuff going on. But watching some guy set up a GoPro by the side of the stream and just cast his fly rod for three hours, who's it's, watching that? It's a number, another one of those things in life. To enjoy fly fishing, you've got to like to make things harder than it has to be. And I'm just not that guy. Right. I like things simple. I like to get things done. I like to accomplish a number of things. And I'm, I value efficiency. You know, people, the worst thing that somebody can say to me if they come to my office to get their home designed is, we want this to be a showpiece. This is our masterpiece. And I say, then you need to leave right. and go somewhere else because yeah. that's not what I do. Then hire I am pay. Yeah, absolutely. Hire, hire somebody else. I don't care who. The The two things that get you ejected immediately from my office is this is our masterpiece and this is going to be the easiest plan you ever drew. Right. Those are the two things that make me want, hurl people out of my office like lawn darts. Or this is our forever home. No, everybody says that. Yeah. I, I've, I've, grow, I've got a callus over that part of my brain when they say, oh, this is the lie. You're going to carry me out of this one feet first. Okay. Statistically, statistically not true. Yeah, if you're statistically 36. not happening. Yeah, but you know, there's um, there's a number of things, and I think fly fishing flaws in that category for me. Fishing's enjoyable. I don't want to make fishing harder. Fly fish. Everyone I've talked to, and I've only I only started fly fishing this summer, and everyone I know says that when you when a fish hits on the fly rod, it's an experience unlike anything else. And I've not experienced that yet. And I, but I can believe it. There is something, when I go fishing, there are, I rarely, I rarely go fishing to see how many fish I can bring home. That's not what it's about for me. It's about spending time on the water, usually by myself. It's meditatory, meditatory. Meditative? Meditative. Sure, whatever. Um, and so there's a certain, you know, because I'm mostly bass fish with my rod and reel anyway, so it's not like I'm out there smoking a lot of cigars because you're doing too much. So it's not a big step different for me, the, the jump to fly fishing. And so there's that repetitive motion that really just kind of, I don't know. I, I like I like the the serenity and the calmness. It's kind of like archery. I love shooting my bow. I really enjoy shooting my bow. I have no desire to shoot my bow at a deer. I've got guns for that. Right. I I, I don't. You know. And I know guys that they say, "Oh, once you kill one of a bow, you'll never want to kill one of a gun again." No. Let's keep it simple. Let's shoot him. He's on the ground. Let's move on with life. And all, and I, but that's that's probably one of the reasons that I, as mentioned earlier, why I have so little stress in my life because I keep it simple. I don't make it harder than it has to be. Yeah, but the things the things like that are the things that bring the stress level down for me, and it just goes further to highlight how different we are, but also just that, that the world is different for different people. Oh, it is. It's all it's all philosophical. Speaking of philosophical, how is this philosophical? The flat flame lighter. So the flat flame lighter, as near as I can tell, somebody wanted a wider flame from a single jet lighter. Which makes sense because I have said forever, the reason I carry a soft flame lighter 
is because I get the coverage of a dual flame with the fuel efficiency of a single, or of a of a sing, double jet with a fuel efficiency of a single jet. See, I carry a soft flame lighter because I don't feel like it lights it as hot, and I'm not as likely to scorch my cigar. I mean that that's as I valid am with too. a jet. Yeah. And uh, the the fuel efficiency of my lighter is not something I'm going to consider in my life. It is for me. It's just it's not. I keep a can of you know can of butane's cheap. Keep one in the truck. Keep one at the house. They'll refill them at most cigar stores you go to. It's not a cost thing for me. It's the fact that if I'm carrying a, God forbid, I'm carrying a triple flame, uh, torch. Uh, send me to the hospital. I'm sick if that's happening. But. If I were to carry a, a triple f- torch around, I, I never have a whole lot of confidence that that's going to stay f- filled for long. With my soft flame, I know that for two weeks, I'm going to I'm going to have the confidence that when I pick that up and I strike the flint, it's going to light because I've got gas in it, and it's it's the convenience thing for me. This is a way I do like to employ that simplicity uh, to a degree it's still it's still pretty simple to throw a can of butane in your car it is um, <laughs> but when it gets as hot as it does in Tennessee you really shouldn't be leaving a can of butane in your car I've, I've never heard of anybody killed in a tragic butane accident people are rarely <laughs> killed in those accidents because it it happens when you're when the car's parked in direct sunlight uh, is it is it a serious safety hazard probably not. But is it good practice not to leave a full can of butane in your car? Absolutely. Well, so the reason that brings all this up is from Half Wheel, the Vertigo Zephyr. So the flat flame lighter has been out of the reach of the average man because of price for so long. Right. And so Vertigo decided, okay, we're going to create a 1999 flat flame lighter that includes a lifetime warranty. I'm always in favor of this where they've they've brought the price down to expose it to more people. This is what Vertigo does really well. And unlike most of their lighters, this one's fairly attractive. It's somewhat reminiscent of the DuPont Microjet. Or yeah, it has, has, has a lot of the ST DuPont look to it. Um, super easy. You just squeeze it. I don't know that I'm necessarily... I don't know. I need to, I need to light a cigar of a flat flame. I'm perfectly prepared that I may light one of a flat flame and say, hey, this is the best thing, best thing ever. Right. And I'm also prepared to say, okay, this is more trouble than Just it's worth. Just give it away. Yeah. Cur- so in 1999, I can give that a shot. Right. Curious. Do you know what the word Zephyr means? No clue. Soft, gentle breeze. Oh. It's a, that's one of those words that you see every once in a while. I thought that was the blimps that they drop bombs on. Zeppelin. Out. Oh, Zeppelin. Yeah. Zephyr is, there, is, is one a group of those of words. Zeppelins, not a Zephyr? A Zephyr of Zeppelins? A Zephyr of Zeppelins. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that would be my thought. And then when you have to merge a group of Zeppelins, you'd be zippering a Zephyr of Zeppelins. Well, did you actually know that the Empire State Building, when it was built, was built as a dock for balloons when yeah. they thought that... Well, they thought that for whatever reason, um, Zeppelins were going to be the travel solution of the future. In a lot of ways, Zeppelins were superior to airplanes of of their day. And it was was exactly because of the Hindenburg explosion why Zeppelins fell out of favor. I think we would have a, a much different aerospace environment 
if it hadn't been for the Hindenburg. I think you would still see Zeppelins, kind of the way people still take the overnight train rides as a nod to nostalgia, and you can get the sleeper car and the dining car, and you can take the... I believe we would still have Zeppelin travel kind of probably at that level now. I can, I can understand the romance of it. Yeah. I can understand a, a romance to traveling. How great would it be if you could fly into Nashville and you take a Zeppelin to Knoxville on Saturday and they dock at a Zeppelin park and take you to Neyland Stadium and you catch a UT game on Saturday and then at the end of the game, you get in your Zeppelin, and they fly you back to Nashville. They take you to the Titans game on Sunday. Could How much would people pay for that experience? Um, I know a lot of people who would pay a lot of money for that. I think on the front end it would be a good business, but I don't think it has a long, long-term stability. Well, you have limited flight. That, that's what makes it. That's like the SpaceX thing, and these people that are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars just to spend three minutes in low-Earth orbit – or not even low Earth orbit, just barely in, in outer space, is because of the limited supply versus the demand. And I think, you know, you still get uh, the the docking slips at Neyland Stadium for the Vol Navy go for thousands of dollars per game just to be able to dock. Your, you know, so I, I do think, and that's been around for a while, so I think you'd eventually... It, yeah, it would have to, it'd have to fall into that whole tradition. Thing. Yeah. So... Fuente Age Selection unveils Purple Rain humidors and ashtrays for December release. Okay. Do we need another $11,000 Fuente Opus humidor, regardless of what it's made for? No, we, we absolutely don't. I, I, I hate this. I, I've, I don't think I've said it on the show before, and we'll probably alienate two of our four listeners. I hate Prince. I hate anybody who markets under this purple rain thing trying to trying to piggyback off of the the people that are willing to pay extra money because it has some sort of tangential connection. I yeah, see I don't see a connection here. Well, it's called purple rain. Yeah, but I I still don't see, one, I don't think Prince fans and cigar smokers Cross paths. I don't oh, think they that's absolutely a, do. Nah. I've had so I've had so many conversations in cigar shops with Prince fans. Looking get, at the cigar shop now, there's ten people in here. How many of them do you think possibly? Well, I don't know, know anything any about Prince. <laughs> yeah, but you're talking. That's a very very selective uh, group you're talking about. Well. In defense of your point, Prince is overrated, no doubt. For, I, his music is terrible. Didn't think he was uh, he was pretentious, and and anytime you hear somebody tell a story about meeting him, that seems to be fairly true. I just yeah, I don't I don't get the in the pantheon of there being so much so so many more talented musicians out there. I don't get the Prince thing. I've I've never been a fan of the music or the personality or anything goes with it. So for me, to to have an obvious tie-in for an eleven thousand dollar humidor. Now they'll sell out of these things. They absolutely will. Oh, absolutely. And I guess that's my bigger point. How much of this stuff will the market bear? It seems like every year Opus releases three of these humidors over eight thousand dollars. You and I both make a fairly good living. 
But even still, with the way the middle class has shrunk in this country over the last 20 years, are not even close to being the kind of rich of the people that can afford, can happily afford and would spend the money on this. And there's a lot of people out there who make more money than we do. Oh, sure. So I think the market is out there. I, I really do. And I also think even for the people who make that kind of money or have that kind of money and maybe they don't smoke cigars, but they know enough people that do. And this becomes kind of a, a showpiece on the yacht or, or whatever it is. I, I think there's enough out there, especially when you start talking about the fact that China is very quickly becoming a, a bit of a, a powerhouse in the cigar market as the, the super rich, the Chinese super rich are starting to, you know, come through and, and start buy this kind of stuff as, as, and become big cigar fans as a result of being a, a status symbol. I was talking to somebody recently, actually, as it applies to that. It, it, it was framed in the, in the context of a crypto conversation, so I won't get into that piece. But the, the government in China basically has really strong restrictions over moving money around. And so that's why you see a lot of the super rich from communist nations or other nations uh, spend that kind of money on these yachts, art, things like this, because it co- becomes a way to move capital around under the radar. And I think that's where a lot of this, I think there's a bigger market for that kind of thing than you realize. Well, they're only making 75 of these humidors, and 40 will ship this month and 35 will ship next spring. So they're, they're keeping the numbers down. I just, it's, and the owner here will tell you, the rare opus stuff, when it comes in, regardless of the price, people still buy it. Yeah. I mean, here in Brentwood, Tennessee, people still buy it. Right. And there's owners of shops everywhere that, that they, they make a huge portion of their profits every year share, selling that rare opus stuff. And I think part of, part of the allure of things like this comes from the fact that there are cigars in here that you can only get by purchasing this humidor. You know, the El Scorpion, El Escorpion, uh, Natural and Maduro. Yeah, there's... I, there's an element to that, but I just it it makes no sense in my life. If I if I win the lottery tonight, I still wouldn't purchase this. No, neither there's would still I. Not a, or this is still not a or the equivalent, not Prince related Purple Rain version. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 not a time in my life when I'm going to buy an eleven thousand dollar humidor. No, and so from the El Paso news, I've seen this because this is interesting. Rocking Cigar Bar back open following lawsuit forcing closure. So this happened here in Tennessee a while back, here in Nashville, just up the road from us. There was so much... Is that what happened to them? Yeah, there was so much fights, and the cops were coming out, and there was crimes, and there was rapes, and there was all this stuff happening that they shut down the tin roof right up the road here for a couple of months. They just shut them down. They said, hey, y'all have got to get a handle on your clientele because we're not going to keep sending cops out here and we're not going to have this cesspool festering in our community. Yeah, it's not a good use of public funds. So in El Paso, this rocking cigar bar was closed down for that reason. They said there was drug deals going on. There was a lot of illegal activity going on in here. I bet. Now, I'm not a... I'm a betting man, and I bet you this rocking cigar bar is more a bar 
that has one of those cabinet humidors, and they just call themselves a cigar bar. I, I would, I would be close to, to agreeing with you. It does say. People, yeah, because people who come inside are looking more for a social environment as opposed to a crazy dancing party that usually takes place on the street. And so it, it does sound like he's maybe the owner of, of this establishment is trying to create a... A drinking lounge? A, a drinking lounge, and it's just not working out. Because, you know, I, I've seen this in cigar shops all over the country, usually around the time when ownership changes where you go from somebody who's very, I don't want to say stern, but fixated on cultivating a certain environment in their shop, and they're able to do that. And then if you get somebody who wants that same environment but doesn't have the fortitude to stand stand up for that environment and say, no, you're being rowdy, get out. Yeah, and know, I think that's kind of what the, I think. Maybe he just doesn't have the wherewithal to police his his clientele. Cigar owners that I've talked to, by and large, hate this part of the business. There's some people you've got to throw out of your lounge. Mm-hmm. There's some people that you first you hope they come in and they don't fit well enough that they leave of their own accord. Right. But finally, you have to draw the line and say, hey. You're no longer welcome here. Yeah, you're you're not part of our brand, right? And I, and I know I don't know a lounge owner one that enjoys that aspect of the business. No one does. No one likes, especially in the cigar industry where it is such a community and it is such a a welcoming group. You don't ever want to foster an environment where people don't feel welcome. And but that and that's true of any business. You, you no one ever wants to throw a business well, away. It's even true of the poker game. The guys that come to poker that don't buy into, hey, this is a friendly game. We're just enjoying ourselves. We're going to have fun. We're going to smoke a few cigars. It don't matter who wins. The guys that don't buy into that tend to unplug themselves pretty quick. I've thankfully never had to just throw anybody out of the game. Now I've You've said, gotten close. and you- Well, I usually say something so mean to them that it offends them and they leave. Right. That's usually, I, I prefer for them to pull the plug themselves. You know, there was a guy in here. And, well, it's always better to do it that way. Let it yeah. be their idea. Well, there was a guy in here and he, well, that's not how this should be played. I said, well, I'm the commissioner and that's how it's played. And if you don't like it, why don't you go find another game? And I never seen him again. And that was perfect. Right. Didn't bother me in the least. Yeah. Although that is pretty close to throwing him out of the game. It's, that it's that as, makes it clear that he's not welcome. Yeah, it's as close to throwing him out without just saying you're, you're not, not welcome. welcome. Yeah. 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 All, well, but. it's funny because I was actually talking to somebody recently, and I have not played poker with you guys in, what, probably four years now? Something like that. Yeah. And a lot of that comes from the fact that the, the client, the, not the clientele, the group that you play with now is so different. It, 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 it has basically completely filtered out, with a couple of exceptions, to a, a completely new batch of people. And I don't know anybody anymore. And so it's just... Yeah, but you're not going to meet them by not playing. No, I know. <laughs> I, I know that. But the barrier to entry for me when I... you know, I am an introvert by nature. And so the effort required for me to enter into that scenario 
is is much higher than it would be for a lot of other people. Yeah, this this is where my cigar store Labrador personality really. D- I can, I can sit down around among a bunch of strangers and it don't bother me for a moment. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just not wired that way. So for me, yeah, I was talking about it. I was like, yeah, it just uh, all the people that I used to enjoy playing with don't play anymore, so I just don't go. But the bigger part of this story is this is such a rare. The only reason I mention this is because this is such a rarity in the cigar business that this would ever become an issue. I, it's so rare the way that works. So this is uh, the the one thing I, I did want to highlight because I thought this was interesting, is that the owner also says that there will be a military presence as the bar is off limits to Fort Bliss soldiers. There you go. <laughs> I feel like that in and of itself should do a pretty good job at sorting out some of the raucousness. No, I think if your bar gets put on the banned list then you've got problems in your bar. You better change your bar immediately. Yes, first of all. But also I think it comes from the fact that if you look at the most dangerous cities in the country as on a per capita basis, about 15 of the top 20 are all military-based towns. Clarksville, Tennessee is up there. Camden, New Jersey, right near Fort Dix, is right up there. It's it. Uh, Colleen, Texas, is another one right outside of Fort Hood. It's interesting. I'm and I'm not making a value judgment. I'm not going to, you know, dive into the reasons behind it. But it is an interesting correlation. Yeah. This. Um, so I can imagine there's a part of that that filters into this story. I don't know. I, I think if I owned a bar. And they said, okay, this is off limits to the military base. I would definitely find a way to change my business practices. I would definitely feel like that that's on me. And all 100%. So, a more interesting article from the MississippiLink.com Nicholas Milio discovers the foundation for the perfect cigar. I've, it's, it's so weird the way this stuff comes together. I've had a discussion about foundation cigars with three or four people in the past week or two. Um, just talking about different cigar brands and what is, um, you know, the different the different boutique brands and what boutiques actually have a more cult following. Mm-hmm. And Foundation kind of pops up in that. Yeah, it does. Although it, it's interesting to me because, you know, when you talk about, I, I don't know anybody who has anything bad to say about Nick Malio. I know a whole lot of people who have a lot of bad to say about Skip, though. And I do think that that hurt. That's part of why that brand has developed such of a cult, such a cult following. Because a lot of people brought the cigars in, and then after having to deal with upper management, have started to filter them out. I've seen several cigar shops in this town alone who've kind of, if not altogether stopped carrying their product, but really scaled back. Well, so. I don't care for the Tabernacle stuff. I don't care for the High Clear Castle stuff. The only thing Foundation makes that I like is the Charter Oaks. Yeah. And I could live without them. Um, that, you know, to me, they're, the Charter Oaks are good. But if they jump the price of the Charter Oak to $14, I quit smoking well, it yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, it's not a $14 cigar. It's an $8 cigar. Yeah, it's, it's That a, they happen to charge 6 for. Right. It's an exceptionally good cigar for the money. But if that part of it left and I needed to cut Charter Oak out of my rotation... You wouldn't feel it. Never miss it. Right. Never miss it. I would. 
yeah, you you probably would, but you would probably find when you smoke a charter oak, do you, how much of the smoking a charter oak is involved in the price point for you? Um, not as much as it used to be. So I, I've, as I've said on the show, I've recently stopped hanging out here as much, and I spend a lot more time at Reserva, just most mostly because of proximity, and they don't carry foundation, and so. Now, I'm paying $2 more per stick than I do when I'm here by virtue of the fact that they don't have the Charter Oak, and that's mostly what I smoke here. When I spend a decent amount of time away from this shop or when they run out, because that's a cigar that sells out fairly quickly, I do find myself missing the cigar for the cigar's sake, not for the price point. Because if it were just about price point, I'd go back to coming here. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa, that's that snuck up on you. Yeah, ambush cough, absolutely out of nowhere. Um, so Foundation Cigars was started in 2015. This is a great article. First, go to the MississippiLink.com and read the whole article. It's a great article, but I just want to hit a few of the high points as we kind of wind the show up. Um, Foundation Cigars started in 2015, so that's a relatively new company to have the... It is the showing they have. It usually takes a while to get a cigar company started. Um, Charter Oak, I think, is a big part of that, and they've done a good job. You know, I know a lot of people that love the Tabernacle, and I'm glad they do. It's not my smoke. I, I really enjoy the Tabernacle. I don't enjoy it for the price point. I think it's a couple bucks too much. And then he does a good job. You know, a, a good cigar has a good story. Right. You almost need a story with your cigars to really um, enjoy them. You know, we've never talked about it before on the podcast, but Cigar of the Month Clubs, Robbie at Big Boys does an amazing job on his Cigar of the Month Club. Yeah. Because he sends the cigars and he sends a page telling the story of each cigar. Right. And that to me, that the, cigar, the story is as important as the cigar. I can smoke... A, I get a, a cigar gets a little more leeway with me if it's got a good story behind it. It's kind of like the Jericho Hill. Um, I like the story and don't care for the cigar at all. Right. You know, I could, I could, I've probably smoked more Jericho Hills because of the story than ever because of the cigar. I can see that. The interesting story in this article is the upsetter, and this is a concept that Melillo put together in honor of reggae music. Yeah. And he talked about, you know, Jamaica used to have a big cigar industry. And he was there, and a man actually pulled out a tobacco leaf to roll a spliff with. And he went seeking this particular leaf in the mountains and started making the upsetter with that leaf. And that's that's a great cigar story. It is. You know, he found what he wanted. He sought it out. He looked for it. Just a, a really good story of that cigar. So, tell me how your new world's been. You've been smoking that thing fast, man. Yeah. And, uh, probably because I've been talking a lot and you've been nicotine-deprived today. I, I, that might be what it is. I don't, <laughs> this is a cigar I enjoy smoking fast. Uh, and I think part of that comes down to the box press to keep it lit evenly. You, you need to smoke it a little bit faster than you would a traditional uh, round cigar. I don't know. It's It's been good. It's exactly what I needed. Well, my... Um, my LFD Chapter 1, I'm going to go ahead and rate it, and then I'll let you rate yours. My LFD Chapter 1, it's always going to be a 6. It's rarely going to exceed a 6. It's rarely going to be under a 6. I do think I like the Chapter 2 better. 
really? I do think I'm, I need to I'm go back and that. have them both again because it's been a long time since I've smoked I, either one. I feel like the chapter two has a little more complexity and a little more body to it, where the chapter one is a little bit more of that one note chord. See, I remember it being the opposite, so I'll have to give it another shot. And th- very likely, the blends have probably changed since the last time slightly. What do you rate the New World? Uh, I'm a six on this one. This is a cigar that I can always pick up. It always hits the right notes. It always draws well, with very few exceptions. And the price is always right. Yeah, I think this was just shy of eight. Yeah, just a a great smoke for the money. I'm I'm 100% behind a six on that cigar. So how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast and info at the cigarcast.com. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. (laughs) 